before we concluded our discussion last time, we touched on the concept of the psychic being. Now, the psychic being has received a very special kind of treatment in the thought of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. And the significance that is attached to the term psychic being is not to be found in any other philosophy, Eastern or Western. In the West, when they speak of the psyche, usually it means what is not patent to the eye, what is behind the exterior, something of what we call the mental or the vital. In India also, the precise concept of the psychic being is not to be found in any of the traditional philosophies. It may be asked whether the psychic being which plays such an important role in the spiritual evolution of man is not the same as the Atman, as the Self, as the Soul. It is not possible to answer yes or no. To give an adequate idea of what the psychic being means, I would need to take you back to the origins of creation. When the Divine Spirit decided to manifest, the Upanishad describes a million sparks sprung out of the central fire. Each spark is a portion of that Divine Spirit. Each started out with one truth idea to realize on its own line of fulfillment. Now these millions of emanations from the Divine Spirit chose their own lines of manifestation. And each such spark, each such emanation, stations itself at the head of its line of manifestation. In the philosophy of Sri Aurobindo and Dimada, this portion of the divinity, this central portion, presiding over the line of each manifestation, is called the Jivatma. It is the Divine Self indeed, but the Self individualized for the purpose of manifestation. You will imagine that there are millions such individuations of the Self, but all the while the Self is one. For purposes of manifestation, they are formulated as so many centers of manifestation. Now, at the head of each manifestation, each human manifestation, let us take it, there is the Jivatman. This Jivatman 
standing above the evolution, he is not involved in it. He is superintending. He is presiding over it. Presiding over the working out and the evolution of the truth idea over which he, he stands above. Now, in this course of evolution, step by step, this Jivatman projects a small portion of itself, a deputy as it were, as a spark. Now, this spark, a small portion of the Divine that is presiding over it, is called the psychic essence. It is the psychic entity. It is the soul stuff. It is a small, it can be imaged as a small ray, which from birth to birth gathers stuff and develops a shape around it. Before it develops a shape, there is the psychic essence, there is the soul stuff, there is the psychic entity. Birth after birth, gathering experience, gathering the sap of experience, the essence develops, puts on a shape, gradually develops into a being. This evolution of the psychic essence into the psychic being is a fundamental part of human evolution. Is there a difference between the soul and the psychic being? We may say soul as participating in evolution is the psychic being. I say this because there is a part of the soul which does not involve itself in evolution. It is a witness, it holds itself aloof, that part is not the psychic. The soul as involved in the manifestation, in evolution, is the psychic being. The psychic being is never stationary. It grows and to develop is its nature. Where is it situated precisely? The psychic essence is situated at the core of the being. The psychic being, one cannot feel the psychic, psychic essence as such. One can begin to feel something of the psychic when it acquires a certain individuality. And where is it situated? The place, the precise location is behind the cardiac center, behind the chest, behind what is called the heart center in spiritual philosophy. That juncture where the vital from below and the mind from above, they meet. At that juncture, behind it, is the place of the psychic being.
this psychic being may be called the growing divine in each individual. Just as we distinguish this, we made a distinction between the Jivatman above and the psychic being within the evolution, a distinction is also to be made between the evolving divine entity in human form and what the Gita describes as the Lord in the heart of creatures mounting on a machine, turning them round and round. That Lord is still somewhere deeper. The psychic being may be looked upon <coughs> as a living representative of the Divine Lord, but it, it itself is not the Divine Lord. Now, what exactly does the psychic being represent beyond saying in a general way that it represents the Divine? For that matter, everything on earth, everything on evolution represents the Divine. Shirvindo has explained that just as matter is a projection, is a representation of sheer existence above, just as the life, life force is a projection of the consciousness force above, just as the mind is a projection of this supermind, the psychic element, the psychic principle represents the projection of the delight principle, of the ananda, of the love principle, of the divine on earth. The growth of the psychic means the efflorescence of joy, of happiness, of love. It is natural to the psychic being to be conscious of the parent divine from which it is derived. The psychic being always feels as the bhakta, devotion, love is extremely natural to it as breath to us. When a ray of the psychic being, a ray from the psychic part reaches the surface of our external being, we are filled with a causeless joy. We become aware of the vast divinity around us. We begin to see something auspicious, something holy in the persons around us. We recognize the infinite in the nature around us. When the psychic influence begins to take shape, begins to organize itself moment to moment, more and more frequently in an individual, he awakes to the existence of spiritual life. Man begins to question, man begins to be dissatisfied with his external surroundings, with the humdrum life that he is leading, 
and wonders whether there is not a greater and a deeper reality claiming his attention. The spiritual seeker, for the spiritual seeker, it is not the mind, it is not the vital, it is not the physical body even, but it is the psychic element in him that is the most, that is of most paramount importance. Indeed, the spiritual seeker does not need to awaken the spiritual, the psychic being. He has turned to the spirit, he has taken to spiritual life because the psychic is awakened, awakened and it goes on putting its rays, impact upon his be external being. What he has to do is to aspire that more and more of the psychic influence may reach out to his being, may make itself present. He has to will and always keep one part of his attention inwards towards the psychic, calling it out, pressing it out. And the psychic always manifests itself in the values or in the powers of purity, harmony, beauty, joy, truth. These are not things to be taught and cultivated. Once the psychic influence begins to come to the front, these are things that come naturally. Once spontaneously recognizes the truth, feels purity, rejects impurity, breathes out a causeless joy, emanates a, a, a oneness, a love for all creatures. It stands to reason that when the seeker aspires for and calls out the psychic being within, he, it is incumbent upon him to create a milieu an environment within himself and around that is conducive to the emergence of the psyche. Necessarily, he has to eliminate from himself movements, emotional, conceptual, perceptual, physical, which are opposed to purity, to harmony, to happiness, to goodwill, to beauty. Any marks, any vestiges of ugliness, disorder, falsehood, repel the psychic light. In answer to the aspiration of the seeker, the psychic being first sends its influence. The psychic being cannot emerge at once. First it sends its rays, it sends its influence and tries to modify, to shape the outer life. Sri Aurobindo describes in his great epic Savitri, our soul from its mysterious chamber acts, its influence 
pressing on our heart and mind pushes them to exceed their mortal selves it seeks for good and beauty and for god this is the influence effect of the influence of the psychic being first it touches as rays as influence then as the outer being gets purified gets ready the influence stays longer and longer creates a habit of psychic functioning and it is only at the end of a long long journey of personal self equipment that the psychic being takes charge comes forward and takes charge of the spiritual evolution of the individual if it may be asked in what way is the psychic indispensable for the spiritual attainment if it was a question of the attainment of release moksha salvation release from the world indeed the psychic contact the psychic influence is not necessary the usual detachment of the soul the self is quite enough as a first step and the decisive step but where it is a question of submitting the whole of human nature to the impact of transformation in terms of the spirit where it is a question of transcending with the whole system the barriers of ignorance and falsehood and growth into the realm of light and truth the intermediacy of the psychic being is indispensable the psychic being not only puts you in contact with the divine lord within but opens up the doors to the ascent above in the realms of higher realms of spiritual consciousness it always gives the lead it holds the light for the so aspiring soul to scale the heights of the spirit and shirvindo points out that the psychic being a direct representative of the transcendent divine on earth its agency its intermediacy is indispensable he writes in the savitri earth must transform herself and equal heaven or heaven descend into earth's mortal state but for such vast spiritual change to be out of the mystic cavern in man's heart the heavenly psyche must put off her veil and step into common nature's crowded rooms and stand uncovered in that nature's front and rule its thoughts and fill the body and life thus far about the psychic being in the microcosm in the individual as in the individual 
so in the universe. Just as the psychic being, the psychic principle is supporting from behind the veil the evolution of the human, the evolution of the individual from nations to superconscious, from darkness to light, from death to immortality, through countless ages, through countless births and deaths. Similarly, in the world scheme also, it is the psychic world that supports the whole scheme, the gradation of the planes in their scheme of manifestation. There is the physical world, there is the life world, which is not perceptible to us. There is the world of mind. There are the higher worlds of mind, the higher mind, the illumined mind and so on. And above the supermind there are still other worlds. Now, the triple world in manifestation, the lower hemisphere as they are called, they are supported at the back by the psychic world. It is in the psychic world that the evolution of souls, the progress of evolving beings is planned and directed. When a, a man dies, for instance, on earth, first he sheds the physical body. He lives in a subtle physical envelope. After a time, which he, which he takes to realize that he is dead, he looks round and finds himself in a world, in a subtle world, which is a perfect replica of the physical world he has left behind. That is the subtle physical world. Once those pools which hold him to the earth, either by way of his own desires, or the pull of those behind, pulls of grief, pulls of attachment, they, once he is freed, he leaves the subtle physical world and goes to the vital world. There it is a world of desire. The, all the karma that has been forged on earth by his vital being, the desires, the sensations, the ambitions, they all are formed there. If there have been good thoughts, good desires, he meets, looks, he experiences them as the heavens. If they are of the crude type, ugly type, he confronts them. He is confronted by the hell of popular imagination. He has to stay in the vital world till helped by the presiding powers. The vital sheath is gradually thinned and thinned and drops off. Then he goes to the mental world where he is surrounded by the formations that he has woven by his thoughts, ideas and conceptions. These also take a little time for dissolving themselves. So after all these sheets, the subtle physical sheet, the life sheet, the mental sheet, these sheets are dissolved, the being, the soul is free 
to go to its place of rest. The beings that once wore forms on earth sat there in shining chambers of spiritual sleep. All now was gathered into pregnant rest. Person and nature suffered a slumber change. In trance they gathered back their bygone selves, arranged the map of their coming destiny's course. Heirs of their past, their future's discoverers, electors of their own self-chosen lot, they waited for the adventure of new life. This is brief is the role of the psychic principle in the individual and the universal scheme. Now, a number of questions have been received on the subject of the psychic being. Yes. It is an experience of many that when they begin to live a kind of inner life, they become aware of a new personality within themselves. And it is very tempting to believe that this new person, this new entity of which they have become conscious is the psychic being. But in 99% of the cases, it is not. The psychic takes a long time coming. What happens is that once we withdraw from our external preoccupations, what we become aware is either the subtle physical purusha or the vital purusha or the mental being. These are, in, these are inner, inner selves and each on its plane pretends to be the psychic being. One has to be extremely discriminating. One hears voices and once people hear the voices, there is always a temptation to feel it is the voice of conscience, it is the voice of the soul, it is the voice of God. Those who believe indiscriminately that inner voice is the divine voice have invariably come to grief. You, there are voices and voices. Our own ego, our own preference, our own mental constructions, they have a way of choosing the voice. There are pseudo-voices. For one genuine voice, there are 99 pseudo-voices. In politics, in social affairs, in family matters, this pseudo-voice, is the one that is to be guarded against. Mostly, people mistake vital beings, mental beings, or any subtler formation to be the psychic being. When the psychic emerges, when the psychic begins to put its expression, there is an unquestionable conviction about it. There is a solid peace 
a feeling of purity, an absolutely new accent. The person knows that it does not answer to any of his preferences or desires. Something fresh, at least for the moment when the psychic voice is heard, he has a new experience. But one has to be extremely discriminating. One has to be sure of one's purity. One has to be sure of one's non-involvement in the problem before one takes the voice that one hears as the guiding voice. Does the mental being manifest itself as a distinct being when we are aware of the true vital? The vital being, like the mental being, poses itself to be the central purusha. But if one persists, if one is one sincere, one can detect a certain nuance, a certain shade by which one can know that it is not the central, uninvolved being. The other day, there was a question, a very interesting and a practical question. When working with somebody on a project or solving any problems on any level, mainly the physical, and the little guiding voice or light, the psychic being points the way, how should one proceed when the other party will not listen to another way of doing it, some other way. Until now, I only waited and quietly and persistent, persistently kept pushing until accepted. It is difficult to explain and perhaps even more to do. How can one do it otherwise? Now, this is a question that faces most of us who are involved in a collective effort, collective working. It is always flattering to believe that I am right. I thought I should refer the question to Mother, and I read it out last week. And the Mother said, very emphatically, nobody is ever right against anybody. One can Never impose one's conviction, one's opinion, one's feeling on another. The right way for a seeker or for a worker in such a situation where there is difference of opinion is not to believe that he is right and the other one is wrong, but to submit the problem to the Divine in a spirit of surrender and trust. He can submit his own conviction. He can submit the whole problem and wait for the answer. In the measure of his sincerity, whether the other one is aware of it or not, the response does come and things do work out in the way they should, not necessarily as I believe to be right. That disposes that disposes of the question. We can never be sure that we are right, 
we are never right against anybody. Naturally, when one works by oneself, one works to the best of one's lives. There is a growing perfection, there is a growing light, and what I felt yesterday to be right, I may not feel to be as much right tomorrow. But in a collective endeavour, the right attitude is to concede the freedom of others to follow their own convictions, where there is conflict, where there is difference, to submit it to an overseeing power and await silently with trust on its guidance. The second question, when all beings working on a common job live and are guided by their psychic beings to solve a problem, will they be pointed simultaneously the way to solution or will they be able to listen more inwardly on the mutual soul level? Now, I remember what Mother once said long ago, that there is only one way of doing right, but there are a hundred ways of doing wrong. So, if all are open to the guiding light, call it the psychic light, call it the spiritual light, if all are open, naturally, the right solution, the right path will be indicated to all. But our understanding of it, our perception and formulation of it in our minds necessarily will differ. There again, it is a question of conceding the right of each individual to progress and contribute in his own way. One does one's best without interfering in the growth of others and leaves the rest to the Divine. <coughs> then, We spoke last time of a young seeker who wrote to the mother that his head is full of ideas, but he could not express himself, and that if mother were to ask him a question, perhaps he could express himself. Mother took note of his request, put him a question, do you believe in a progressive world, and his answer I read out to you. The next question was, do you believe that the next step in evolution is the appearance of a supramental race? Do you aspire to belong to this supramental race? These are the questions that Mother asked. And here is the answer given by him. Dear Mother, I received your marvellous statements and the two new beautiful questions which I will now answer. Yes, I believe that the next step in evolution is the appearance of a supramental race. What is more, I believe 
this race is here among us. All my being aspires to belong to this race. All that I am is laid on the divine altar. The force, the light that exists within me, I feel is moving forward. I am not in a hurry. That light must go, that the light must go out. I do not believe in death, and I know I am something more than this body and this mind that cannot express all the love that I feel towards you, Sri Aurobindo, and the world, Mother. My life has been a constant struggle against lies, and I always thought that he who lied to me lies to himself. The Divine answered me through you, the Divine Mother. Mother, I do believe in the new and great supramental race, and I aspire to it with all my strength. I await your answer. And the new question: It is so beautiful to speak in this way with you, your eternal ser servant. Mother remarks, "Let the supramental blessings be on you." Now the next question: Are you ready to silence your mind in order to be ready to receive the supramental? Dear mother, four days ago I received your answer, and even today. I can't find the words to express my gratitude for so great an honor. Your supramental blessings have fallen on me and opened new doors to the light, to the perseverance, to the struggle to arrive at the divine goal, which each one may and always, with your constant presence, I see nearer. I will answer your new and as always beautiful question. I am ready to silence my mind. I do nothing else for some time. I love silence, the wonderful silence of life. I am awake, agile, fresh. There is no obstacle that can impede my surrender and my dedication to silence my mind to reach the goal. I conquer the forces of evil, thinking of you, and I don't know. What failure is, since I have always seen it as exterior. Mother was extremely pleased and extremely struck with this sentence, which sums up the whole philosophy of life. What maturity! He says, "I don't know what failure is, since I have always seen it as experience." Mother. I had and have the flowers and the sun. Now I have you in each cell of my body, in each movement of my wonderful daily life. I see you everywhere, and in my dreams you appear also. I am ready to silence my mind, and this way be ready to receive the supramental. Mother, make me a torch of light and love. I await your answer and new and always beautiful question. I always regarded life as beautiful, and how full of new light, hope, and love it is now with you. I love you. Mother says, "This is excellent." She underlines the sentence. I don't know what failure is, since I have always seen it as experience. 
mother says this is excellent then she adds to live in the divine to work for the divine to plunge in the supramental blessings any question as long as the psychic has not developed an individuality it remains an influence which we accept or do not accept but once the psychic element takes an individuality develops into a being and you are ready make way for it it assumes control and it imposes its decision it imposes its choice on the rest of the being which is forced to follow it when the psychic is in front there is no other choice except to be guided by it it dominates the whole of existence yes veda the physical response in its present state of uh, formation is another matter but the psychic does indicate what is to be done it puts its peace it puts its uh, purity on the physical and makes it easier for the spiritual evolution to proceed what happens that sadhana in a community astral is a theosophical term for what we call the subtle or the vital naturally all those planes are there and they become safer when one is guided by the psychic light and has a psychic consciousness when the consciousness is suffused with the psychic light when what is called the psychicization takes place it is absolutely safe to leave the body travel to the subtler worlds the astral worlds have the experience and come back otherwise for an unenlightened individual for an individual who is a prisoner of his desires and such sensations it is dangerous to go voluntarily or involuntarily in the astral world 